0: Okay. Bee houses. The good, the bad, and the ugly. So, you know about bird houses, right? Yes. Some people will design bird houses for birds. Um, You can design wren houses, duck houses, owl houses, chickadee houses, that kind of thing. But there's also houses you can design to help Madison bees and other bees. Nice most bees are ground nesters so you can develop houses that mimic a burrow in the ground or a rolled up leaf some of them have bamboo some of them have cardboard cardboard isn't as good because cardboard can get wet in the rain and have mold and rot yeah um but bamboo is really good
1: yeah bamboo is really nice yeah yeah you know, it's a it's a good
0: uh natural um wood so, yep.
1: like, wood type,
0: yeah, so. Yep. I didn't get a chance to research the good, the bad, and the ugly of bee houses, but some of them are good, some of them are not so good. Yep. Just research your uh, company and their practices and everything when you go looking for bee houses. Yes. Most bees are solitary, so they don't come together in big hives like you think of honeybees. Yes. That's not necessarily true when it comes to bees most bees are um solitary and their young solitary confinement maybe okay. one or two young at a time or three or four versus a whole hive of honeybees that's not similar most bees are very different um no, do you so have, have any topic?
1: my question is um I know, like, certain bee houses are used to collect honey. What are other bee houses? Bee houses
0: I'm talking about are, like, for Madison bees, like pollinating bees. Got it. Bees that pollinate the earth and pollinate the plants. Okay. Honey bees are, like, the honey bee hives that you would find in, like, a warehouse store and stuff. Where you have combs and you would do that. But that's not for honey bees. This is for the native bees. So that's just more to like house them,
1: right? You know, give them a place to stay and stay right so instead yeah. of
0: your house or underground yeah, like, like they normally would. Nice. Yeah. You can buy bumblebee next boxes and make old bird houses into that kind of thing. Cool.
1: Yeah.
0: So next up is wonderful wettas, the New Zealand crickets. Oh. Sometimes when a species evolves in isolation. Yeah. When it's not under pressure from other sources, like predators or um, food or anything like that, they can grow to be very, very big or they can get very, very small. Yes. Wetters are an example of something that's gotten to be very, very big. Some. Well, did you know that some weathers are the size of rats?
1: Quite. you mean like the crickets? Yeah. Oh, wow. So What's they can get like, your, pretty big.
0: Yeah, they can get really big, like... An, ounces in weight. Oh wow. And they can eat carrots. So, you know they have hand pictures on the internet if you google on the internet of whether eating carrots out of people's hands like a gerbil, Like they're, a cricket yeah, eating a they, ha- Oh wow. Yeah cool. they're big. Cool. They're really, really big and they got spines on their legs that deter predators like mice and stuff from eating them, but they've evolved in species isolation. So it's really, really hard on them now that there's rats and other predators on those islands. Oh. And this is like the New Zealand. New Zealand, island, yep, the New yeah, Zealand yeah. island. Yeah. There's yeah. over seventy species of wetas. Tree oh, wow. wetters, ground wetters, giant wetters. <laughs> <clears throat> That's I don't think it's got to be caught yeah, I might have to look that up. <laughs> yeah,
1: wetters are cool. Nice, nice.
0: And they're big, okay. huge.
1: Like, do any anybody use them as, like, pets? Like Some any? people do, okay.
0: yeah. yeah. Some people collect them for the pet trade. They're endangered because of that. They're also endangered because of the rats and things that people have put on the islands by mistake. Yeah, yeah. When shippers came with their big ships, they are loaded with rats and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. And vermin. I'm about to say a 17-year mystery of the Midwest. Do you know what a mystery is for 17 Uh, years? Oh,
1: I know what a mystery is, but I don't know what the 17-year mystery is.
0: Cicadas! Every 17 years, the cicadas break out of their chrysalises underground, and they make these whirling love calls that deafen the sounds and make people think crazy thoughts like, I gotta get out of here! Yeah. Yeah. Yep, you know what I'm talking I know about. Those. There's 17 yep. year cicadas. Yeah. Yep. And the predators can only gorge themselves on a small percentage of the cicadas. They're very tasty for a okay. lot of animals, like raccoons and snapping turtles. And, and these things can get like that big. They can get really cicadas. big. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And they go through instars underground where they suck tree sap from roots. Okay. And then in the adult phrase, they have wings and can fly and mate and lay eggs, and usually on tree branches. Okay. But
1: there is also the annual
0: cicada, right?
1: Right, and in the seven-year cicada. Yeah.
0: And then there's the 17-year cicada. There's many different types of cicadas out yeah. there. Yeah. But it's a really an interesting phenomenon. They did a experiment with these trees. I forget a lot about it, but there is some where they did experiment where they made them bloom a, day, a year earlier and they came up a year earlier so it could be tied to blooming time and their growth and height of the seasons. but every 17 years upon cue they all erupt from the earth yep. millions and millions of them can impair driving, can impair people trying to listen and get a good night's sleep. Yep, I know that yep. Yep. I just think they should just eat them
1: Yeah, I actually heard that actually some people use them as delicacies. Like they actually eat the cicadas. Yeah, I thought
0: that would be a good idea because then it would just give people a solution to their problems rather than just bitch about it. Yeah, and they're like really (laughs) crunchy. They have a lot of protein. Yeah, 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 yeah. Doesn't sound like my type of food, but no, it doesn't either. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Might as well just shut up and start eating them. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Water, water, everywhere, not a drop to drink. How modern landscapes change water ability in plants. A lot of people don't know that when we cleaned the earth, when we put sewer lines and waste control systems up and roads and houses and gutters, plants only get about one third of the water that falls from the sky oh wow the rest of the water gets swept away into irrigation ditches and it's swept out so that's why it's so so important to water with hoses directly on the ripoff yeah that way you don't have to worry about the plant suffering drought stresses because we are getting hotter and drier conditions now than there was a couple decades ago
1: yeah with the whole global warming Yeah. yeah 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 Wow, I just can't believe it's only one-third, you know? Yep,
0: like, there's you know. actually a book, I'm okay. just going to grab it. It says... This book is called Suburban Safari, A Year on the Lawn by Hannah Holmes. This is basically one of the books I was going to talk about. Nice. Yes. Books that which brings me to our next topic. Books to try and save the world or what's left of it. This is going to be kind of a long topic. I'll go through each of these books and tell you about what the author is, what the book is about, and the title of the book. Yep. The first one we talk about is Suburban Safari, A Year on the Lawn by Hannah Holmes. It's basically about lawns, native plants, suburbia, witty, imaginative, and powerful. Holmes is a real racial caution for 21st century suburbia. That's the first one. The second one is 100 plants to feed the bees. Provide a healthy habitat to help pollinators thrive by the Zine Society. Oh, wow. This is really cool. It says, the first simple step towards protecting our pollinators is to provide the flowers they need using no pesticides. With abundant native flowers, your task is even simpler. Don't mow them down. This field guide identifies the plants that honeybees and native bees, as well as butterflies, moths, and hummingbirds, find the most nutritious, including flowers, trees, and shrubs, herbs, and pasture plants. With guidance from the zoo... What society is this? The... Xerxes? Xerxes Society. The global authority on insects and other invertebrates you can turn your backyard, farm, or community into a thriving pollinator habitat. That's our second book. This is a good one called Jewels of the Plains by Claude a. Bar. Claude a. Bar, yeah. Wildflowers of the Great Plains, Grasslands, and Hills really cool book It talks about the tall grass prairie and how numerous it used to be before development and agriculture pretty much destroyed it. Yeah. And this is so another did one. So you
1: mentioned that uh, last podcast that the actual prairies and plains have decreased to like now just to like 10%. Actually less than 1%. Oh, less than 1%. That's no, it's not means. 10%. Yeah. It's less than 1%. Yeah. But
0: that was before the Europeans came when it was in yeah. uh, no this is another one called Overrun by Andrew Reid Dispatches from the Asian Carp Practice Let's talk Oh, about Asian you told me carbs, about that Another the podcast The silver Asian yep. and big head cars That are creeping up our waterways Even as we speak Threatening to overrun the Great Lakes That yeah. is Andrew is your man If you want to read that one Yeah. And this one is a good one Called "Bazaar Botanical By Larry Millman Champ and Paula Gross Forwarded by Tony Ann Bender. And this talks about things like the glorious sea lily, the fox face plant, the Venus flytrap, the polka dot, the bonnet, the sun, Leaves, a uh, string of hearts, goldfish plant, bat face plant, panda, ginger, all that stuff. Nice. This one is one of my personal favorites from Jane Goodall. It's called Wisdom and Wonder from the World of Plant, Seeds of Hope with Gail Huston. Forwarded by Michael Pollock. This is a really really cool book. This talks about the different types of uh, plants and Jane Goodall's story of wonder we can find it in our own backyard. Really really good plants, plants to help, plants to hurt, and just about projects and things like that. This is the complete squad a passionate grower's guide to pumpkins, squashes, and gourds. Before I got to into native plants, I started growing things like squashes and cucurbits. Yeah. She calls herself a cucurbit and Amy Goldman. She's one of the passionate growers for heirloom vegetables and native uh, squashes that have been around since, some of them, hundreds of years. They've been around since the 1700s, 1600s. Wow. And she grows... We're plants of exceptional beauty flavor and forms and she's really has a heritage farm and she grows things that are very very rare and unusual cool most washes are actually plants that you would grow to feed your livestock they're not plants you would grow to eat yourself mm, interesting and this is an auto um uh, an uh, anthology of american chestnut mighty giant by Bill McEwen, and this talks about the largest hardwood tree in the Midwest, indeed one of the largest in the world, the Censura dentata*, the giant chestnut tree. And this is uh, George Washington, Car- Jimmy Carter, and his younger sister as children. Oh wow! So this talks about a rich history of an American icon, the American chestnut, and how gigantic it grew before the Fungal blight came and pretty much destroyed it. Wow. So, another. would you
1: would you consider chestnuts extinct now, or are They're are they still endangered? They're extinct
0: dangerous? in the ecosystem. There's no virgin stands of uh, timber-sized chestnuts left, but there's okay. still isolated areas. The biggest one nowadays is in southern Wisconsin. Okay. Uh The Plant Hunters. This book is about Pearl and Fly, Adventures of the World's Greatest Botanical Explorers. A Royal Botanical Gardens of Kew. Nice. It talks about the history of plants. Twenty-five dollar book. It talks about different plants and different people who have searched the world to find our botanical treasures. Cool. This is one of my favorite spiritual books by Sly Montgomery the soul of an octopus she talks about an octopi are actually very very intelligent animals right up there with dogs and cats for a mollusk they have supreme intelligence a lot of people don't know that um but this is a really cool book it's got a national book award finalist and this is one by my good friends or acquaintances at the, at the um um the Savage Garden or uh, California Carnivores They run California Carnivores By Peter Del He runs his own nursery at California Carnivores and This talks about the carnivorous plants of the world Including Venus fly traps, sundews, bladderworts, pitcher plants That kind of thing so, you know. This is another book by Sly Mangalry The Good Good Pig it's basically a story about a pig and how it had a lot of worms and was a very big, very runty pig. And she saved it. She's a vegetarian, so she was never going to have it for pork. She saved it and kept it as a pet in her house. Wow. It was really cool. She a good, it was good most, pig, huh? Yeah. Nice. Christopher Harwood, and he grew to be quite the pig. How old did it get? Do you know? 16, 15. Wow. Most pigs don't live past six months. Most pigs yeah. were butchered for their pork and they killed at a very young age. Yeah. This is another book. The Native Bees are native bees by... Page Embry. Page Embry. Yeah. And North America's endangered pollinators in the fight to save them. This is that really one might cool. be a good read. Imported be European Bees get all the press. But more of the story of North America's native bees. The species essential to our ecosystems and food supplies. In her travels with farmers, gardeners, and scientists, she examines the vital role these pollinators play. Along the way, she hunts for a bumblebee that may be extinct, hoses hibernating blue orchid bees in a refrigerator, and investigates an unlikely place for pollinator habitat, golf courses. Wow. So that's pretty really cool. This is one of my all-time favorite books, The Plant Messiah by Carlos that, yeah. He is a great guy. This guy works at the Kew Gardens and Conservatory in London UK and he is the head horticulturist there. He has brought back the Café Mignon or a plant from an island. Oh, he wow. has cultivated water relief species. There's a lily species that he saved from Victoria Falls in Tanzania that's about the size of a teacup. Oh wow. Really cool guy. He writes a really cool read called The Plant Mophile. I love The Plant Nephile. And our last book is Identifying Trees of the East. An All-Season Guide to Eastern North America, Michael D. Williams. Yeah, it looks like a good map. book too, the yeah. last one, I didn't do all my books, I'm just trying to make space for different ones. Yep. Yep.
1: Yeah, some of those books sound really good, especially like The Good Good Pig. Uh, that would be Yeah, a good read. you can oh, own you that know, one if you the want. The life, the extraordinary life of a pig, you know, that's yeah, yeah,
0: Christopher Hogwood, it was kept as a pet. Cool, cool. Have you ever heard of the baboosa? It's a type of pig. It has tusks that grow out of its head almost into its brain. Oh, cool. Only the males have them. The females don't have tusks.
1: Okay.
0: Yep. Okay. This is another one. The ghost bird, the ivory-billed woodpecker. Did you know there are six species of woodpeckers in North America? Five that we know well, of. Uh,
1: the only one I, I'm really used to is the pileated woodpecker. Yep, yeah. well, it's the
0: pileated woodpecker, the downy woodpecker, the hairy woodpecker, the red-headed woodpecker, and the pileated. Red-headed, pileated, hairy, downy, and flicker. Flicker's another woodpecker. Yeah, About six or seven, maybe six, woodpeckers in Minnesota. Wow. Um, but the ivory bill was the largest. Okay. It lived in tamarack swamps, and uh, flood plains in the south. Okay. And, and it hosted on large trees that had special type of grub in it. And when the trees were clear-cutted for their lumber, the ivory bill cra- populations crashed into extinction, and now to this day, well, there's actually been a sighting in 2015. Yeah. 2004, maybe it was sighted, and they have an award of I think it's 70 to 50 million dollars if you can prove the existence of an ivory-billed like woodpecker in modern times. Oh, cool. Yeah, if you can, and you can lead to a biologist to an ivory-billed woodpecker, you can get seventy dollars to $50,000 reward now. That is if you can prove that it's an ivory-billed and not a lot like a uh, To this day, nobody has claimed the seventy dollars to $50,000 prize. Oh, that's true. Yeah, but basically it's a bird that's teetering on the bridge, if not already extinct. And it's got a white bee down its back, like a white bee. And when it flies, it has a white bee. And it's big. It's the size of a raven. Oh, wow. huge woodpecker. Huge woodpecker. Bigger than the pillager. Much bigger. The females have no red crust. The males have a red crust. So that is um, the ghost bird. Any questions about the ivory billed woodpecker?
1: That's a, I'd love to like even see a picture if there is any.
0: There's yeah. on the internet you can see pictures of ivory nice. bird woodpeckers. Nice. They're a bird of floodplain swamps. Okay, cool. So they grow they uh hop on trees and they nest in old growth cedar swamps that basically no longer exist. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, Any other questions? No,
1: that's that that's good. Yeah, I I'm probably do my research on that one too. Yep. Yeah.
0: Ficus are friends in cold climates but bad in warm climates So ficus? What yeah is ficus, ficus are like figs, like uh, big that you eat Which reminds me, I'm getting kind of hungry I know <laughs> uh, um, Basically this means that if you grow a ficus outside you're not in trouble if you live in the zones four. Or five, but if you live in zones 10, 11, 12, don't do it. Don't plant them in the ground because they will become an invasive species and take over. Got Go it. into trees like elms and okay. oaks do here and become an invasive species. Yeah. I have one called a fiddle leaf that's really cool, a fiddle leaf, I guess. And then I also want a rubber tree, but I didn't get one yet. So. Nice. So they're not really a good landscape tree in a warm climate, but if you live in a cold climate and can provide them with the conditions in their house, great, all power to you. Yes, yeah.
1: So like further north, basically. Yeah, yeah. further north, you're better off like right here. But
0: don't plant them in the ground in Florida or Texas or you'll end up with a monster invasive plant. Nice, okay, got it. Yeah. Seed collecting and germinating of native plants. This is not an easy task. Some of them require cold, moist stratification or cold stratification in order to germinate. Sometimes you have to wait three to four months of cold before they'll even start to germinate. Sometimes you have to pass them through an animal. Sometimes you have to bruise or abbreviate the seed coat with hard rocks or sand or sharp sand. Not an easy task, but for some people, it's fun. I have a seed packet of Rosenweed seeds I'll show you before you head out today. Yeah,
1: nice. Yep. And and when they cultivate it, um, what do they do? Like, uh, do they, are they trying to like create more of them? Yes, or? yes, they're yeah. trying to create okay.
0: more native plants. Got native it, seeds.
1: got it, yeah. I can imagine that's a difficult task. Yep. Yeah.
0: Some of them are easier than others bergamot's very easy cup plant is very easy a lot of the sapeliums are very easy yeah yeah
1: yeah, yeah I, I mean i like i don't know, like sunflowers are
0: yeah i have a bunch of sunflowers at my garden yeah nice nice yeah. i'll have to send you a video if i can get there tonight Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. I don't know. It depends on how the weather looks. I mean, it's starting to wet.
1: clear up. Now it's just misting,
0: so I don't know. Yeah, I'll talk to my staff later about that. Yeah. Anyway, that's it. Cool.
1: Well, everybody, this was The Daily Weird with The Daily Weird with Alex and Danny. So, thank you for joining us. Please subscribe to our broadcast. We will be posting every month. It won't be on the month, but it will be every month we do a a daily weird. I mean, we technically should be monthly weird, but, uh, you know, we do it because we want to help you learn about nature and the ways and and science and how how humanity can
0: help nature and how things improve.
1: So this is your host, Danny and Alex, signing off.
0: Signing off. Have a good day, everybody.
1: You too. Have a good day. Yep. Bye.